0: I want you to go to Genesis 18 this morning Genesis 18 verse 1 through 8 I want to talk about being a friend of God Being a friend of God You know because He was born We can be a friend of God We can have a relationship with Him So Genesis 18 verse 1 through verse 8 Being a friend of God Let's look beginning at verse 1 And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and that after that and after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three seals of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf tender and good and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we're so thankful for your presence today. And I ask now, God, that you would speak to us through your word. And I know that your word is powerful and effective and that it will not return void. And so I ask today, God, that you would speak to every heart in this place. And Lord, if there's one who does not have a relationship with you, I pray before they leave that they too could become a friend of God. But Father, for those of us who have accepted you, and Lord, we, we may not be walking as close as we ought to be walking with you. I pray today that you would help us to grow in our passion and in our pursuit of you. And so God, today, open our hearts to receive. And I ask, Lord, that you touch my mind, that I could think clearly and touch my lips, that I could speak with precision the words that you would have me to say. And Father, we will give you praise and honor and glory for all that you do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. And everyone said, amen. You can be seated this morning. In these verses we can see that Abraham, he was taking his daily rest during the heat of the day when he saw three strangers approaching. These three strangers were the Lord Jesus Christ and two of his angels. You'll notice that Abraham referred to him as my Lord. And I believe that Abraham, he'd known the presence of God. And so when he sees these three men, he knows that there's one that is more distinct than the other two. And he refers to him as Lord. Abraham immediately recognizes here when these three guys begin to approach that he is in the presence of the Lord and he begins to serve them, wait on them and minister to them. Here's what I want you to think about for a moment. The Lord shows up and Abraham begins to fellowship with God. And you'll notice this. The Lord welcomed his fellowship. The Lord welcomed this time that he could spend with Abraham. And I want to say to us today that God is always looking to fellowship with his people. James 4 and 8 tells us that if we'll draw near to God, he will draw near to us. You see, God wants a deeper relationship with all of his people. God wants a more... Or intimate walk with you today. In fact, I'll say to us today that we are as close to God as we choose to be. And so if you're here today and wondering how can I get closer to God or I'm not where I want to be in my relationship with God, it's not God's fault but rather it is ours. You see, the reality is when we were lost and undone and living in the world, living for ourselves, God came looking for us. But now that He has found us, now that He has changed us, we're to go. Looking for him. We're to pursue him, and we should have a desire to want to be a friend of God. We see in this passage that Abraham had a deep relationship with God. In fact, God later in the chapter reveals to him that he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. You see, that's what God does when you're intimate with him. When you walk with him and you're a friend of God, God will speak to you and God will guide you and sometimes God will even let you in on his plan. But you've got to develop that relationship with God in order to get there. Abraham's relationship with God was so intimate that three times in Scripture Abraham is referred to as the friend of God. Now most of us today, we don't think of ourselves as friends of God. But here's what Jesus said in John 15 verse 13 through 15. He says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all that have heard from my Father. I, for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Did you notice what Jesus said to his disciples? I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. That's who we are today. And if you've put your faith in Jesus, God looks at us and says, hey, you are my friend. You see, Jesus laid down his life that if we put our faith in him and walk in obedience to him, we could be his friends. But here's the thing. Not all friends have the same intimacy and closeness with one another. You see, I'm more intimate with my wife than I am anybody else. I have other friends. People that I'm close to but they'll never be as close to me as I am to my wife. She's my closest, most intimate friend. And I think the same is also true with God. He has many friends, people that have put their faith in Jesus, but there are some that are closer to Him than others. Here's a quote quote I heard one time, I'll just share it with you. It says, God doesn't have favorites, but He does have intimates. God doesn't have favorites. He's no respecter of persons, but he does have those who are more intimate with him. And you see that in Scripture. David, a man after God's own heart. Abraham referred to as the friend of God. Let me ask you today: do you want to be an intimate with God? That's what I want. Even Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, a man who knew God and seen God's power, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That word know in Scripture, it refers to intimacy that a husband and a wife share with one another. He said, I want to be intimate with God. But here's the question how does it happen? How do we grow in our relationship with God? How do we develop our friendship with Him? I believe our passage gives us some characteristics of Abraham's friendship with God. And it is my prayer today that from this message, we'll learn how to have a more deeper, intimate walk with God. So if you take notes, it's on the back of your bulletin. But here's point number one. Friendship with God requires obedience. Friendship with God requires obedience. Look at verse 1 again. It says, The Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. The Lord appears to Abraham... But it immediately follows his obedience to circumcise all the males in his house. In chapter 17, God gave Abraham the sign of the covenant, which was circumcision. And the Bible says that immediately Abraham obeyed God. He circumcised himself, he circumcised Ishmael and all the males in his house, whether they were born into his house or whether he bought them with money. And immediately after his obedience, it says, "...the Lord appeared to him." I don't think that's coincidence. I don't think that that's just happenstance. I believe that God wants to reveal Himself to you, but here's the thing you've got to be more obedient than what you currently are. You see, God shows up to those who are obedient, He reveals Himself to people who do their best to live for Him, honor Him, and do what He says. John 14, 21, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him, notice this, and manifest myself to him. What's the key to him manifesting himself to us? Those who love him and demonstrate it through their... Obedience. Listen to John 14:23. Jesus answered him, "If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him." And notice this part: we will come to Him and make our home with Him. That's what we want God to make His home with us. But we're living in a day where people are so stretched out and so busy that they don't seem to have time for God. And so we live our own lives and we do our own thing rather than what pleases God. And what you find in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 20, if you want to just jot that in your notes, he's standing on the outside of the church, knocking, wanting to get back in. They thought they were rich and had need of nothing, but they were poor and blind and naked. And he's standing saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open, I will come in and sup with him. That sounds like relationship. God wants to be back in the church. God wants to be involved in your life. In fact, let me say to us today God wants to show up in your life. God wants to show up in your midnight hour. God wants to show up in your brokenness. God wants to reveal Himself to you. God longs for fellowship with His people. But it's hard to fellowship with people when somebody's living in disobedience. We know what it's like. When our kids don't want to listen to what we say and don't want to be obedient, it puts a strain on the relationship, does it not? And I believe it's the same way with God. That when we walk in rebellion and when we decide I'm going to do my own thing, it puts a strain on our relationship with God and we can't be close to Him and we can't be intimate with Him if we walk in disobedience. We see that Abraham was a man that obeyed God even when it was difficult. Imagine, he's 99 years old and God says you need to circumcise yourself. I hope I don't got to explain that to anybody today. But imagine, 99 years old and God says, this is what you need to do. But not only yourself, but every man in your house. Ishmael's around 13, 14 years old. It was a difficult command. But the greatest pinnacle of Abraham's obedience would come later in chapter 22 when God says, take your son Isaac, your your beloved son, the one that I've promised you, Take him and sacrifice him. And you read there in chapter 22 that it talks about immediately Abraham left and set out for Mount Moriah so he could sacrifice his son Isaac on the altar. He was a man of obedience. And here's the thing, we may never reach that same level of obedience that Abraham did, but if you want to be growing in your walk with God, you got to be obedient. If you want to cultivate friendship with Him, you've got to learn to obey Him regardless of the cost and regardless of what you may have to go through, even when it's difficult, even when you find yourself struggling to obey, you need to obey if you want to walk close to God. But here's the second thing I want to give you today friendship with God requires availability. Friendship with God requires availability. All of us can agree today that friendships take time. Even after you're married for a while, you're still learning to figure each other out because it takes time to develop intimacy. It takes time to get to know one another. And friendship with God is not an exception. If we're going to get close to God and draw near to God, it's going to take time. We we, we don't become super saints overnight. We've got to learn to spend time with God and make ourselves available to Him if we're going to be intimate with Him we see here in the text that Abraham, he's sitting at the door of his tent in the cool of the day. He, he's probably taking a siesta. He's he's relaxing. It's too hot to be out working. It's too hot to be out doing anything else. And so he's just kicked back, maybe relaxing, taking a nap. Or he could be praying and meditating on God and what God told him in chapter 17. But he sees these three strangers approach him and he knows that one of them is the Lord himself. He knows that these guys show up. They're not just ordinary men, but they're heavenly visitors. And he wasn't so busy that he couldn't begin to serve them and wait on them. In fact, I want you to notice something. He begins to host the presence of God. Can I just say that if you're a child of God, you're hosting the presence of God in your life because the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and so you're hosting God's presence let me ask you today are you a good host are you a good host you see if we got a heavenly phone call and God himself said today I'm going to show up physically at your home we'd go start cleaning immediately would we not we would throw out the red carpet when he showed up. We'd tell the kids, you best be on your best behavior or you'll get it when he's gone. We would do everything possible to make him feel welcome and make him feel appreciated. We would stop whatever we had planned. We'd, we'd Listen, if you had plans to go visit somebody else, you'd put those plans on hold because God's coming to my house. But can I tell you, Jesus came to this earth, he lived and died, and by faith in him, he's come to live in this house. And I'm afraid that sometimes I'm not available when he wants to visit with me. Amen. You'll notice in the text that when these visitors come up, they act like they're going to pass by. And Abraham says to him, hey, if I found favor in your sight, don't pass me by. He didn't want God just to visit and keep on going. He wanted God to stay Hallelujah! I want God to dwell in my life I want God to not only visit with me from time to time but I want to walk in his presence I want to encounter him I want to feel his touch I want to know that he's near and I know that I can't walk by feelings and I know that I'm not always going to feel him but I want to have God permanently dwelling in my life I want to encounter him and experience him on a daily regular basis but here's the I've got to be available. You've got to be available. I can't be running after my schedule. I can't be going from this appointment to that appointment and leaving God out. But that's what we do. Here's the reality is, he said, you'll have no other gods before me, but the reality is our calendar, our appointments, our schedule often is our God. And we give God the leftovers. We take kids from ball practice and all over the place so they can do what they want to do, chase their dreams. And God's saying, hey, I've come to fellowship with you. And yet we tell God, I'm too busy. And then we wonder why we're weak spiritually. Then we wonder why we don't have any power. Then we wonder why we can't pray and see sick people healed. We wonder why we pray and can't see family members saved and restored and rescued. It's because we're not spending time with God. We've not made ourselves available. In fact, some of you walked in here today and you sang the songs, but you really haven't made yourself available to Him. Can I just say that Jesus did not die on a cross so we can be religious and go through the motions. He died so that we can have a relationship. And a relationship with Him is just like any other relationship. You've got to make time for it. Listen, your marriage will struggle if you don't take time for your spouse. That's why we have date nights and that's why we have a time where we can just go out and spend time alone with each other. That's why sometimes we get babysitters or we just leave the kids at home if they're old enough to stay by themselves. Why? Because we know that the marriage spark has to stay there and the only way it can stay there is by being available. If I only talk to my wife one day a week, how long do you think it's going to last? How long before you think she's going to get mad if I don't ever show her any attention? How do you think God's feel, God feels when his people don't show him any attention? How do you think God feels when we come to a place that's been designated to meet with him and we simply go through the motions and we don't really put our heart into it? If we're going to have a friendship with God, an intimate walk with God, we've got to make ourselves available. Abraham had a desire to fellowship with God. Now, let me ask you today, do you have a desire to fellowship with God? Do you have a passion inside of you that causes you to want to pursue Him and get to know Him? You see, friendship with God isn't magic. It's not instantaneous. It won't happen if you don't take time to be available for it. So how do we prioritize, prioritize time with God? Let me give you a few things. You've got to put God first. You've got to put God first. Notice Abraham, he stops everything that he could have been doing. He interrupts his plans to meet with God and we have to do the same. Matthew 6, 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Can I tell you in the context, he's talking about worry and he says we worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear. We're going to worry about our home. We're going to worry about all these earthly things. But he says if you'll put me first, I'll take care of all that other stuff. And here's the thing, some of you are so busy trying to seek a living That you can't seek God. 60, 70, 80 hours a week trying to earn a living, but you haven't really learned how to slow down and meet with God so you could really learn how to live. You got to prioritize time. Which leads me to the second thing. If you're going to spend time with God, you have to do this. You need to plan. Some of you here today, you you, you use that right there. That's your calendar. That's how you schedule your appointment. Some of you might be a little more old school and you like pen and paper. You like pencil and paper. And that's how you write down your appointments. Let me ask you this. Do you have a plan for when you're going to meet with God? Do you have an appointment for when you're going to spend time with Him? But here's the reality. Here's how most of us treat it. I'll read my Bible later, maybe, if I get to it. I'll pray if I get around to it. That's how most of us live our relationship with God. But you've got to have a plan. You've got to have an appointment. In fact, one thing that struck me as I studied this text, he's sitting by the trees of Mamre. If you'll go back to around, I think, chapter 12, chapter 13, it was there at that same spot where he set up his tent, but he also built an altar to the Lord. He's in a place where he's met God before. Let me ask you, do you have a place where you can meet with God? You know, Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet. Go into your room, pray in secret, and what you do in secret, God sees it, and God will reward you openly. You've heard me say this before, but if we want public blessing, we've got to have private time with God. We've got to get to a place where it's sacred. Listen, it, it might be sitting in your car during your lunch break where you spend your time with God. It might be an extra bedroom in your house that you've cleaned out. But you need to have a place that is special, a place that is sacred, a place where you can get alone with God. Because here's the thing, there's been times in my life, places in my life where God has met me at more times than he did others. And in those moments, if I can find a place where I've ever met with God and get back to it, there's something, listen, there's something about having a Bethel where where you can, like Jacob, he saw the angels ascending and descending to heaven. You need to have a place. But to have a place, you've got to make sure that you're available to get to that place. You need to have a place where you've soaked the carpet with your tears because you know when I get there, I can find God. You're saying, Preacher, isn't God always with us? Yes, but here's the thing. I'm talking about God showing up, manifesting himself in our life. I'm, I'm talking about when you know God showed up and the hairs began to stand up on the back of your neck. That kind of walk with God. That gets rid of all the formality. That gets rid of all the rules that we try to keep and you just get with God and you unburden your soul to him. But at the same time, God speaks to you and God blesses you and God touches you. That's what we need more of. That's what we need more of. If we want God to show up in here, it's going to start when we make ourselves available out there for Him. And we say, God, I'm going. Sometimes you just got to get there like Jacob. I'm not going to let go until you bless me. I'm not going to let go until you touch me. But here's the thing when God touches you, it's going to change you. And some of us don't want that much of God because we don't want to be changed. But if you'll make yourself available to him, he'll change you, he'll touch you, he'll meet with you. But you've got to have a plan. You've got to know, hey, this is what I'm going to read. This is how I'm going to pray. In fact, many times I'll take my iPad or I'll take my phone. And on there I've got prayer requests that I keep. And when I pray, I'll open it up and I'll begin to see names that I'm trying to pray for. Believing God to show up in their life. Let me ask you, do you make yourself available and do you have a plan? But here's another thing you've got to give less time to something else. To give more time to Him, you've got to give less time to something else. Listen to Ephesians 5 verse 15, 16. It says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. That phrase, making the best use of our time, means you've got to redeem the time, buy up the time, make the best of every opportunity, That you have. It means you can't waste time. But how much time do we spend just wasting? Here's one thing that I try to do sometimes. I don't always do it. I'll admit to you, but if I find myself waiting to get a haircut, if I find myself just having to wait on them to shop or whatever, sometimes I'll try to pull out my phone and just spend reading the Bible on my phone. And I'm not perfect at that. But here's what most of us do when we're waiting for a haircut, waiting at a doctor's office. We've got Facebook, we've got Instagram, we've got Snapchat, we've got Twitter. We've got all these other things. We're talking on the phone, we're texting. When you could be pouring into your life from the Word of God. said, if you have one of these right here, you can have access to the Bible 24-7. But we don't think about giving God. Here's what we do. We try to squeeze God in. I've got a few minutes, God. I'll squeeze you in. And here's what you're doing you're you're not so much devoted to Him, you're just dating Him. Just trying to squeeze Him in. Can I tell you, God's not your heavenly Santa Claus that you can just show up when you need something, He's not your genie in a bottle where you're just going to rub the lamp and get three wishes granted. God wants a relationship. But it takes time and that means we've got to take less time. That means you might have to work less. You might have to spend less time on social media. You might have to sometimes pull away a little bit from your family. That means the kids can't always go everywhere they want to go. Can I tell you there's been a lot of people who've walked away from the church because of weekend sports. This might make some of you aggravated but it's the truth. But the reality is most of our kids that play sports have very little chance of ever going pro. But we'll sacrifice our family for that rather than bringing them up in the house of God. And then we wonder, why ain't little Johnny serving God? Why ain't little Johnny wanting to be around church? It's because you've kept him out most of his life. I don't, I don't know if any other way to say it, Brother Tommy. It's just what we do. And because we've been doing it as believers, let me just say this and get on my high horse here for a little. My soapbox. That's why nowadays you have high schools and middle schools having practice and ball games on Wednesday nights because the churches ran our kids all over trying to get them there. When I grew grew up, there wasn't no practice on Wednesday. There wasn't no ball. You better not call a ball game on a Wednesday. It was church night. It was a time when we had been set aside. We are going to the house of God during the middle week to meet with God. And if you did have practice, you left early enough to get to church. You might have walked in there stinking and smelling, but you were going to church. I'm not saying we throw our calendars away. I'm not saying you throw the phone away. I'm not saying we go back to the dark ages. But if you want to walk with God closely, you're going to have to spend less time on other things. You've got to find out what's important. Amen. Amen. Friendship with God means we have to be available for it. But thirdly, let me move on. Friendship with God requires a zeal to serve Him. Look at verse 2 again. He lifted up His eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of Him. When He saw them, He ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed Himself to them. Notice, He quickly runs to meet Him. He's looking forward to this time with the Lord. Look at verse 6-8. Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three is of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd, took a calf tender and good and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. After the three men agreed to stay, Abraham hurried along to make preparations to serve them. One of the things that stands out is Abraham's zeal and passion to serve the Lord. You see, Abraham made the Lord feel welcome. He he was hospitable to the Lord Jesus Christ. He made him feel comfortable and welcome in his home through his acts of serving. Hear me today. If we covet God's friendship, we should do everything we can to be hospitable toward him so that he's welcome in our lives and in our homes. We should want God to feel welcome when He meets with us on Sunday morning. But you should want God to feel welcome in your home. And that means you've got to learn how to serve Him. You've got to learn how to minister to Him. You've got to learn how to host God. You want to know why some churches don't have God's presence? They hadn't learned how to host Him, they hadn't learned how to minister to Him. And, and, and here's the thing, we, we, we get so caught up in God ministering to us that we forget about that sometimes God wants ministry to himself. Acts 13, 2 tells us that while Barnabas and some other men, while they ministered to the Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke. While they ministered to God, the Holy Spirit spoke. Could it be that if we spent more time ministering to him, that we'd hear him speak more? Read Acts 13, too. Some translations will say they, while they were worshiping. But it's really they were ministering to the Lord. They were serving him. They were waiting on him. So here's the thing about Abraham some characteristics of his serving that we can also apply to our lives. Notice this he, he served personally. Abraham, he's a wealthy man. He, he's got plenty of money, he's got plenty of servants, but Abraham waited on God Himself. He ministered to God himself. Listen, if you want to walk with God, you've got to walk with God for yourself. Abraham could have said, hey, hey, you're my servant. Go out there and minister to these guys. But no, Abraham said, no, God showed up. I'm going to minister to him myself. He served personally. And here's the thing. If you're going to walk with God, you've got to walk with God for yourself. You can't piggyback off somebody else's friendship. It's a personal experience. Amen. That means when we come together corporately, all of us, we have to individually, even though we're gathered together corporately, we need to make sure I'm going to minister to God. I'm going to pour out my heart to Him. I'm going to bless Him today. But also notice He served eagerly. As you read the verses, you're struck with the eagerness on his, Abraham's part. He ran from the tent door to meet these men and he earnestly pleaded with them to stay. When they agreed, he hurried to, to the tent told Sarah, Hey, quick, make, uh, take the finest flour you have and make some cakes so they can eat. He went to the herd and he took a calf that was tender and good. He gave him the best and had the servant prepare it. And here's the thing about this. You'll notice that he's running, doing all this. And here's the thing, he's 99 years old, and yet he's still eager to serve God. I know we're an older congregation, but let me ask you today are you still eager to serve God like you were in your younger days? Or has serving Him become nothing but religious duty? Has it become nothing more than just a religious obligation that I've got to do this? Or is it a delight? You see, I want us to have a desire to pursue Him. But we've got to be eager to pursue Him. We should want Him to be in our midst. We should want Him to show up in our lives. But it can't just become an obligation. Here's what most people say about Sunday morning. I have to go to church today. That's not how I see it. I get to come to church today. I don't have to read my Bible. I get to read my Bible. I don't have to worship. I get to worship. I get to spend time with him. Because here's the thing. You may have never thought of this before, but I have. That the God of heaven and earth, the one who spoke everything into existence, wants to spend time with little old me. And if he wants to spend time with me, who am I to deny him what he wants to do? Because here's the thing. It's Christmas time. And let me just say this. We're in that gift giving mode. But have you ever found somebody that it's hard to find the perfect gift because they have everything already? Well, God created it all. What do you give Him? You give yourself. You give yourself. You give your heart. You give your love. You give your affection. That's what you give to the Creator of everything. And because He's given us breath, we'll praise Him and we'll adore Him. That's what the Bible says, Psalm 150, that everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. If we're going to be a friend of God, we need an eagerness to serve Him. But let me also say this. We should serve immediately. He didn't wait, he, he, he hurried along to make service to God. You see, Abraham, he could have ignored them, he could have let them pass on by, but he didn't delay in serving them. And notice, he didn't walk, he ran. He's, he, he's eager to serve them, and he does it immediately. But notice something else about his service, he served generously. Abraham's friendship with God wasn't cheap. He says that he's going to bring his guest a piece of bread, a morsel of bread. But then he has Sarah bake enough bread for a small army. About eight gallons of flour was used. There's three guys here. Jesus and two angels. And he says, I'm going to fix you just a cake. I'm going to give you a little morsel. But then he has the finest flour brought and the greatest tenderest calf that he could get from his herd and he served God. He was generous in his service to God. Let me say it this way. He was extravagant. He gave God his best. Let me ask you, are you giving God your best every day? When you come to church on Sunday, when you show up on Wednesday, are you giving God your best? Because here's the thing, being friends with God, it costs us. It cost him everything so that we could enter into relationship with him. But now that you've come to know him, it can be costly. And we should be generous. It's going to require our time, our talents, our treasure. Notice another thing. He served with humility. It says that he bowed down to them when they approached. He called himself a servant and he called the feast only a morsel of bread. He served these three visitors and then stood near to be available if needed. And I've done made mention of this, but notice in all of this, Abraham doesn't ask for anything. He's serving the Lord himself, and then he stands by as a servant would to wait on them and do whatever they may ask of him. And he didn't ask for anything, Brother Tommy. How often do we go to God in our devotional time and it's all about what we can get from Him. Rather than ministering to Him, we want Him to minister to us. But When's the last time you just went into God's presence and said, God, I'm not here for anything. I just want to love you today. Can I tell you one of the best things that happens to me as a father and it don't happen so much now because I've got two older kids but I've got a little 11 year old named Isabella and one of the greatest things that she ever does to me is when I'm sitting there on the couch or in the recliner and she just comes, crawls up in my lap and puts her hands on my face and says, I love you. At that moment she can get anything I want from her but she's not there to get anything. She's just there to let me know she loves me. It shouldn't be any different with our relationship with God. We often go to Him with our hand out, God give me more, bless me, do this for me. When's the last time you just crawled up in your Heavenly Father's lap and said, I love you? When? Listen, I know we're hurting today and I know there's people in here struggling today and I know there's people that's broken. You've got all kinds of mess taking place in your life one of the greatest things you could do, especially this holiday season, is get along with God and say, God, I love you. But here's what I know about God. If you have your intentions and motives right to go and spend time with Him and just say, God, I'm not wanting anything, God will usually turn around and give you anything that you need. Because later in the chapter, after Abraham has served God and worshiped Him and ministered to Him, They begin to leave and they say, we can't not reveal what we're about to do to Sodom and Gomorrah. We've got to tell him. Why did he get let in on the information about Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed? I believe it's because he served God. And God revealed what he's going to do. Here's the thing, if you'll just spend time with God and spend more time thanking Him, praising Him, blessing Him... You'll find out that sometimes you won't even have to ask what it is you need. God will just give it to you because you love Him. That's the way it is with us as parents. When our kids don't want anything and they just come to show love to us, man, you can just turn the wallet over to them. Hey, go get what you want to. Because it makes you feel good. It brings pleasure to us. Well, here's the thing. You can bring pleasure to God. You can love on Him but you've got to be eager to do it and you've got to make time to do it. I've got to close this morning. And I close with this, that if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are a friend of God. And it is my prayer today that each of us would desire to have a greater relationship with God. But not only do I want us to have a greater relationship with God, a desire to be closer to Him, I want us to pursue that greater relationship with Him. Should the Lord tarry and we see December 2019, I don't want us to be the same place spiritually then that we are now. Amen. I want to grow. I want to walk with Him more closely. As the song says, I want it to get sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. It should be that way. Amen. We should love Him more now than we did when we first met Him. We should be closer now than we did when we first met met him but can I tell you I know some of you may not agree what I'm about to say but here's the thing many people who sit on church pews are backslidden I'm not talking about you out there in the world living like you want to you're just not as close to God as you once were and, and, and you know that, that's the definition of backsliding that don't mean you're cussing and drinking and carrying on running around on your spouse but if you're not as close today as you have been in the past you've slid back You've drifted. And you might still in a relationship with Him, still on your way to heaven, but you don't have the intimacy you once had. That's you. It's time to repent. It's time to change. It's time to say, God, I, I want to get to know you better. Again, we are as close to Him as we choose to be. Because here's the thing throughout Scripture that over and over again, you'll find God saying, Come. That's what He wants for us just to come to Him. The door's open. And He's not going to push us away. But you've got to decide today, I'm going to get closer to God. I'm going to be a friend of God. Would you stand with me all over the house? If your relationship with God is not what you want it to be, I want to ask you one simple question. What's standing in the way? What's standing in the way? You need to remove it. You need to get it out the way. And you need to pursue him. I want us to sing this song this morning. It's great are you, Lord. And as we do, I want us to worship him. I want us to honor him. I want us to love on him. In your own way, I want you just to minister to him today. Let's worship this morning.